How's everybody doing this morning? Sleepy? Yeah, I can tell. Oh. <laughs> Pay no attention to the tree that has suddenly appeared on the stage behind us. Now I'm going to have to explain to them what you two idiots are doing right now. You do realize that, don't you? That's funny. Just in case you were wondering what they were doing, um, neither Megan nor Jordan got a an invitation to my wedding, which I tried to explain to them that I didn't even get a wedding, an invitation to my own wedding. Um, so I, I still had to be there, um, but I didn't get an invitation to be there. And Jordan goes, I would have been a tree. And Megan goes, I would have been the pot. And so that's what they were doing back there was in a pot and a tree. So I know. Apparently it was funnier last night when we were all a little sleep deprived. So, um, but they, I thought they did a good job. So, um, I was expecting them to come back through. So last night, uh, we kind of hit the ground running and I realized that I really hit the ground running. Um, and <laughs> I was tired last night after I left. And I still had to drive like 45 minutes back home, and I walked through the door and like exhausted, and my wife is like wide awake, and she's like telling me about everything that was going on, and I'm standing there like, I'm standing so that way I would fall, like if I fell asleep, and I'm standing there like listening to her, and finally she just looks at me and she goes, are you sleepy? She goes, you just want to go to bed? And she goes, okay, and so I go to bed, and she still talks, and I fell asleep with her talking, and I felt really bad. So this morning, I woke her up, and I was like, what were you talking about last night? She goes, I don't even remember. Let me go back to sleep. So um, so she was tired this morning, but uh, I am glad to be back here with you guys. You survived your first night of camp, okay? Congratulations. How many of you all, like, this is your first time ever, not just at this camp, but just camp in general? Like, you don't have to be ashamed of that. Like, okay, like I said, I was 18 before that ever happened. And just to let you guys know, like, how awesome you all have it, because, Mariah, most of, the, most of the cabins are air-conditioned now, right? Okay, when, when I had the opportunity to come here, like, that wasn't the case. But, I, like I said, I never got to come here. I went to a different camp, and our, where the guys slept, well, that's, like, really loud, like, right there, isn't it? Okay, I know I didn't move it down that much, but now it's not roaring as bad. Um... Where, where I first went to camp, the guys slept in a old tobacco barn. And it was literally just a barn that they threw 32 bunk beds, so there, or 36 bunk beds, so there were 72 guys that could sleep in this barn. Uh, there were four showers, three toilets, and six sinks. I don't really know why I throw in the sink part. My favorite thing about that barn, other than the cow alarm clock, or if it rained, you had to reposition your bed uh, between the drips. And when I say cow alarm clock, I mean, literally, I woke up one morning, and the guy on the bunk below me was going, well, good morning. And I was like, good morning. And he goes, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the cow. And I look over the foot of my bed, and there's a cow that has walked up to the barn and laid its head over on the floor and is just staring at us. And so I'm just kind of sitting there, and I'm like, there's a cow staring at us. 
and my friend who's on the bunk below me is just talking to the cow. And all of a sudden, the cow takes in this really deep breath and sneezes. And it goes all over my friend. <laughs> and then the cow, like, clears its, clears its throat or whatever and turns around and just walks off. And I look underneath, and my friend is still sitting there with this expression. And so when he went to go take a shower to clean up, the showers, I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but I guess it's just so you all can see where I came from with camp. The showers was, it, they were this one pipe that ran the full length of the four showers, and they had a shower head that popped off. And if you were in the first shower, it was cool because you were the first guy with, like, all the hot water. And the farther down the line you got, the colder the showers got. And if you were the new guy at camp, like, you always got the end shower. And if anybody adjusted theirs prior to you, it would react down there. And so we would all turn the hot water on at the same time and get whoever had the very end shower to jump out of the shower because it was cold. Or we would do the opposite. We'd let him finally get warm and then we would turn all of ours off so he would get all of the hot water. Um, so we were, we were kind of mean, but that, that was where, like, I went to camp for a year, and then I worked at that camp for the next, like, five years. Um, so just very cool. Like, I love camp. I love this atmosphere because, you know, you get to meet new people. You get to meet weird people. You know, like, that's kind of the fun of it. And uh, so that's why, that's why I've always loved camp and the opportunity to come and speak. So... Uh, this morning is going to be a little bit different um, than last night, mainly, like I said, because I'm still kind of like recovering from last night. Uh, but this morning, I'm just going to teach you guys three things, just three simple things, okay? And they're going to be pretty easy, hopefully, to remember. And... Uh, but if you want to, you can write them down. But if not, like I said, I hope that they're going to be pretty easy to remember. Uh, how many of you guys, let's see, this is junior high. How many, how many of you are 12? Anybody younger than 12? Okay, so like 11, 10. How old are you? 10. Okay, so 10 to like 13, 14. 14? Is it 14 like the top? Is there somebody 15? Okay, 15. Okay, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, so uh, so we got you know kind of like a big age range. Um, just to give you a quick timeline, I'm going to talk about uh, Jesus is kind of going to be like the, the the jumping off point. Just to kind of give you a timeline to the point that we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Luke, just in case you're wondering. Uh, it's in the New Testament. It's the second, well, actually, it's the third book. I'm sorry, third book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Um, so just to give you a timeline of where we find Jesus at right now, I'm going to start at the very beginning of like what we know about, about Jesus. And that goes back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created. Like, he was there in the beginning. Um... There's a part, you know, we kind of hit on it last night, where when they're getting ready to create man, uh, the Bible says that God says, let us make man in our image. And so there's kind of like that one reference to Jesus there. But then you fast forward like centuries to the New Testament, and you've got 
you've got the story of, of Mary and Joseph and, and her being pregnant and, you know, the whole Christmas story. Um, I did a camp in Florida probably about five years ago and in the middle of July. Florida in the middle of July is horrible. And it's like 85 degrees at 7 o'clock in the morning, and I'm coming out in, like, shorts and a T-shirt, and all these people who are from further south in Florida are coming out in, like, hoodies because they're freezing at 85 at 7.30 in the morning. And I'm like, you guys are crazy. And they're like, you're crazy. It's, it's chilly. I'm like, I'm sweating. Like, I just got out of the shower and walked out the door, and I'm sweating. Like, this is not fun. And they, I played Christmas music for an entire day down there. And they kept coming up to me going, why are you playing Christmas music? I'm like, it's Christmas in July. And they're like, you're an idiot. But then, like, I talked to them about, like, the birth of Christ that night. And then they went, oh, now we understand. And it was just kind of like me saying, hey, we, we only think about, like, Jesus coming to earth and being born as a baby. You know, kind of like the whole Ricky Bobby, you know, dear baby Jesus kind of thing. Um, like, around Christmas. But it's something that we always need to remember the simple fact that the very God that created us, like we talked about last night, the God that formed us, like from the very dust of the earth that he, that he spoke into existence, was born and lived among us. And so we need to remember that. So, so we have, you know, Jesus being, being born and like all the chaos that kind of that surrounded that and all the moving and the, the, you know, the shepherds and the wise men and all of that. And then we fast forward a few years and we meet Jesus's as a little kid, and um, you know, his parents are taking him, taking him into the into the big city, and they're with a big group of people, and they're there for a few days. And like when they're leaving, the Bible tells us that they get a few days out of town, and suddenly they realize that Jesus isn't with them. How many of y'all have ever been left somewhere by your parents? Yeah, anybody ever wandered off like in Walmart or something, and you can't find your parents, and they can't find you? Yeah. Yeah, um, that happens with my wife. She's like this tall, and most of this stuff in like Walmart is this tall, and so I lose her. And I, I swear I'm gonna get her like a flag to like stick in her back pocket that sticks up so I can like follow her around Walmart or something. Um, and yes, I said that knowing it's going to go on a podcast and she can listen to it. Um, but like after a few days, Mary starts looking around and she's like Joseph. Have you seen Jesus? And he goes, well, no, I thought he was with so-and-so. And she goes, nope, because there they are. I haven't seen him. And they start, they start going around trying to find him, and they can't find him. And they kind of go into a panic mode. Three days. Okay, how many of your parents would kind of notice before three days that you weren't there? Okay, and even if you go, Psh, my parents could care less if, if I disappeared for three days. Trust me, they would know that you were gone. Like little Charlie, he's 21 months old. And he's at that age where if he's quiet, I need to go look for him. Because you'll normally find him, and he'll hear you coming, and whatever he's not supposed to be in, he'll have his hands kind of hovering above it, and he's just looking at you, like out of the corner of his eye like this, just like looking up at you. And you go, what you doing? And he just looks at you. And you go, are you supposed to be doing that? And he goes, uh-uh. It's like, are you going to stop? Uh-uh. Do you need to stop? <laughs> and you're like, Charlie, don't do that. And he just kind of stands there for a second. You know, so like I said, you know, if he gets quiet, I get a little worried. And I don't live in a very big place, but I need to go find him. Because chances are he's into something. 
And he's getting really good at hiding, which is which is kind of starting to scare me a little bit. But, but you know, I mean, like, you know, you, you kind of notice when, when somebody's missing. And, you know, so they notice this. So they go back. And here's the cool part of the story. They find him in the temple with all the religious leaders and the teachers. He's 12 years old. And he's like sitting there, and these men who have who have lived their entire lives, growing up, you know, being being taught like the Old Testament Bible, and and they know all of this stuff, and it says that they are sitting there, literally with their mouths hanging open at the at the knowledge that is coming from this little boy. And and they've been sitting there for three days listening to him, and his parents come up to him. <coughs> Sorry. His parents come up to him, and Mary, being the mother that she is, she like gets up in his face and grabs him and goes, "Do you have any idea how much you scared us? Like we've been looking for you, and and like how could you do that?" And I love this because Jesus goes, "I was simply doing what I was brought here to do." Like you need to understand that. Now, if I said that to my mom, <laughs> I would have gotten like a smack in the mouth. You know, if she would have run up to me and been like, "What have you been doing?" and I would have been like. I mean, what have I been doing? You've left me for three days, you know, and it'd have been like, flap. Oh, okay. Sorry, you know. And uh, so, you know, so that's where we find Jesus. Like he says, he says, you know, he says, I'm doing what my father wants me to do. Like I'm here. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it, it, the story kind of ends there. Like Jesus leaves with him and he goes, and not a whole lot is said between that day and like 18 years later, when he comes on the scene when he's 30, and he begins to recruit his disciples, except for this one verse. It's Luke chapter 2, verse number 52. It says, And Jesus increased or grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Now, we're going to leave that verse up for a little bit. Right there it is. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature. Another word for stature is years. Like, literally, he just grew up. And so we, we, have, we have, you know, this awesome story of, of Jesus' birth and, and the shepherds and the wise men and, and them having to run away because, because of threat of, of him being killed. And then we have, you know, like the story of him. Um, actually, one of the coolest stories is, is when they take him, right after he's born, they take him to the temple like they're supposed to. And the priest that is there... He's, he's blind and he's kind of up in years, but God had promised him that he would see the Messiah. And like when Jesus is handed to him, like he says, you know what, now I can go. And, and like that's just a cool part of the story to me. And it's, um, anyway, but it's just like we have 18 years of Jesus' life summed up in one verse. He increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. It's like the Bible just kind of goes, okay, here's an important part of Jesus' life. He was born, he did this, he did this, he was 12, and he did this, and oh, by the way, he grew up. And then fast forward 18 years, and here it is. Now here's where we all are, and I say we all because I'm still at this point. This is the verse that we're living in. This is why I asked like how many like what what the age range was because Jesus was right around a lot of your ages when this verse was written. Now, I don't know what happened. You know, I don't know if he played some kind of sport. I don't know if he got a splinter from working in his dad's wood shop like I don't know any of that stuff because the Bible didn't really deem it important. This is what they deemed important. And in Jesus increased in wisdom 
and in stature and in favor with God and man. Now, there's one part of this that you guys have no control over. That's the stature part. Like, you're going to grow up. I promise, you're going to grow up. How many of you all feel like it's, it's never going to happen? Like, you're just, you're like, man, it can't happen soon enough. Believe me, it can. Okay? There's going to come a time, and I swore that I would never say this, there's going to come a time where you're, you're kind of like me, and you're going, man, if I only had it to go back and do over again. Like, that's one of the reasons I love to come and do camps, because I get to be a kid for a little while. Like, I get to hang out and just, and just be goofy and, and have a lot of fun. And then I have to leave again and go back to my real-world job, which is sitting at a computer, and it's boring. You know, that, so that's, that's why I love doing stuff like this, and that's, you know, that's kind of why I like to live in, in this little moment. But the one thing that we cannot control and I can't really help you out with is the stature part. Like stature height-wise, that's just your genetics. But then also, like, how long you're going to live, I can't control that. The other three things that are listed in this verse, we can. And here are the three basic truths that we are going to go with. Number one, the first basic truth, I need to make the wise choice. Here in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it's the only verse we're doing. It says, and Jesus increased in wisdom. Okay, you're like, okay, that's cool. I need to make the wise choice. Awesome, got it. Okay, a little bit more explanation. Probably the single greatest question that you can ask in any situation is, am I making the wise choice? Now, I know that you're going, I haven't really had a whole lot of life experience. Yeah, but you've had enough that's gotten you to this point that when you're faced with a situation, whatever that situation is, if you ask yourself this question, am I making the wise choice? Am I making the wise decision? You will have an answer. Like, if you hesitate, the answer is no. If you can just go, like, straight into it and go, yeah, this is a great decision, boom, you're off and running. But then you come to another, another like, kind of crossroads, and you go, okay, am I making the wise choice? Like, am I going to make the wise choice here in doing this? So, so that's, you know, it's, it's kind of a basic, that's why they call it basic truth, but that's what it is. Like, I need to make the wise choice. Am I making the right choice in this decision? Like, at this point in my life. And there's going to come times, and I am living proof of this, where you'll go, yep, that's the right thing, and you start to go that direction, and then some ways down the road, you kind of go, uh-oh, that probably wasn't the right choice. But then you have that same decision again. Do I continue doing what I'm doing, or do I follow this other avenue? And you're kind of faced with this exact same question. Am I making the wise choice? Am I making the right decision? So we have that one. So I need to make the wise choice. Living like Christ, Jesus increased in wisdom. I don't know what wisdom like is going to take for you to make the wise choice the only thing that i can tell you is this i know um one of the things that you guys are doing this week is memorizing um bible verses right like there's bible verses that they have for you guys to memorize and i know that a lot of you all kind of see it as a like part of the competition like part of like a point system or something like that that's cool like hey if that's what's motivating you to do it awesome here's the cool part about it the bible tells us that like, when we hide God's word in our heart, like, when we memorize God's word and we make it a part of our lives, then it helps us in making wise decisions. Like, there may be verses that you memorize and you go, 
this verse means absolutely nothing. But if you keep memorizing it and you keep, you kind of keep like, um, you know, bringing it back into your life, there will come a time where you go, hey, wait a minute, that verse makes sense now. You see, like that's how God equips you is, is by, by studying his word and by reading his word and by, by hiding it in your heart, by memorizing these verses, you're actually going to be able to, to equip yourself, like building that foundation. So that way, when something does come up and you're faced with that, with that question, you can go, okay, am I going to make the, the right choice in this? You know, and then there's, there's some things that are just very cut and dry. You know, there are some things that you don't even need to question. It's like, okay, do I need to do that or do I need to, like, walk away from it? And most of the time, if that's the question, walking away is going to be, is going to be the wise choice. So, if you can remember this, you have a very good foundation. Okay, so, Mariah, put back, put back our logo, because I'm going to do something. Okay, here we go. Okay, what's the verse that we're, that we're, that we're reading this morning? Luke 2, 52. Okay, now, as a group, including those of you who are sleeping, okay, as a group, what is the first basic truth? I need to make the wise choice. Okay, so here we go. As a group, we are going to make this statement, I need to make the wise choice, okay? Okay, so when I say, what is the first basic truth, your answer is going to be? I need to make the wise choice. Okay, awesome. Okay, so what's the first basic truth? I need to make the wise choice. Okay, awesome. Okay, basic truth, dose. Number two, I should treat others the way I want to be treated. Okay, I know that it's going to sound like I am beating you all in the forehead when I make statements like this. None of us like this one. And why do none of us like this one? Because it means we need to be nice to people. And in all honesty, we don't want to be nice to people. It's like they're mean to me. That's how they want to be treated, then I'm going to be mean back to them. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Like, there are people in my life that, in all honesty, I would like to, like, put my fist through their face and have it pop out the other side and then pull it right back through and do it again. I have people like that in my life, okay? I'm just being honest with you, okay? But you want to know what I do to those people? And it's, it's not being, like, insincere at all. I smile at them. I tell them good morning, or I say, hey, it's good to see you. Because what, what this means when it says I should treat others the way I want to be treated, it's not just saying, yeah, I need to be nice to them, or I need to, like, love them, or I need to hug them, or, you know. Like, guys, this is not, like, an open invitation to go around and hug girls, because you're like, but I want to be hugged, so I'm going to hug them. No, that's not how it works, Okay. Because you want to know what? They are going to punch you in the face and it's going to come through the back of your head and then they're going to pull it back out and do it right back again because they don't want to be hugged. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? It's not an open invitation. Girls, same thing applies to you. It's not an open invitation to be like, oh, but, like, no, okay? It's not how it works. Like, what this means and what this really gets down to, like, the nitty-gritty of this thing is... Like a lot of us, we kind of go, here, here's how we are around the people that we think that we need to be friends with, like that popular crowd that we don't get to be a part of. We go, but if they only knew me. 
like if they only saw like that one little bit of good that I think is in me, then things would be totally different. And that's what this is talking about. I should treat others the way I want to be treated. What that means is not just on the surface going, hey, how's it going? Nice to see you. This literally means getting to know somebody, like getting down to their core and finding some bit of good in them. Because there's a bit of good in everybody. Like it doesn't really matter like how crazy they are, what they've done to you, what the circumstances are. I mean, I, I kind of told you that I, I don't really get a lot into like my personal life about things that are going on with me. But like I told you all last night, I got married two months ago. I have a 21-month-old who is my stepson. He is not my son. But that doesn't change the way that I feel about him because I love that little kid. Like, I have been there from the moment that he was born until this morning when, like, he kissed me goodbye and blew kisses at me and then did Wild Indian. I don't know if y'all, it's like, ah, 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 ah. like, like, I'm like, I'm like, okay, Charlie, I love you, bye. And he waves. And then, like, I go to blow him a kiss. And I'm like, ah. And he goes, and I'm like, okay, wild Indian. Because he's a boy. Like, I totally understand that. But, like I said, you guys are intelligent. You kind of, you can kind of follow this. If I'm the stepdad, that means that there is a real dad. And that real dad could care less about me. He doesn't like me. And that's, that's fine. And probably one of the most difficult things is for my wife to see me with Charlie's dad because we are polar opposites, and it's kind of an awkward situation for her. I wish the man happy Father's Day and meant it because I'm excited that he's a father because he's a father, I have the opportunity to be a father. And, and she just, my wife looks at me sometimes and she goes, I don't understand how you can be nice to him. And it all comes back down to this. And it's, I'm going to treat him the way that I would want him to be back to me. Like, I'm, I'm finding good in him because I want him to see that there's good in me. And, and, and here's why I want that. Because a lot of times, like, your relationship with God depends on your relationships with those that he puts in your life. Like, how you treat people that God puts into your life has a lot to say about your relationship with him. Because there, there's a part in the Bible, and I, I really wish it just popped into my head, and I really wish that I had that I had uh, the reference. But there's a part where it says, if, if, you come, if you come to the temple and you have a gift to lay down at the altar, but you harbor resentment or hatred towards like your brother or your sister, and that just means like your fellow human, then it says to leave your gift there, go and try to rectify that situation, and then come back and, and give your gift again. Because your relationship with those around you directly affects your relationship with God. He does talk about it there, yes. Okay, thank you. Um, look up the Sermon on the Mount, and, and, and that's in there. But I did have it right, so correct. I said I had, I had, the, right, I had the right story, the right context. Okay. Um, but here's what it is. I should treat others the way that I want to be treated. And, and it's, it's just as simple as that. It's kind of the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But it's kind of put into this. I should treat others the way I want to be treated. Because it's kind of amazing, like if you, if you kind of step up and you go to that person that most normal people wouldn't talk to, you might find out that they're actually a pretty cool person. 
you know, but it's 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 kind of hang on, it's kind of like it's kind of like lowering, you know, like your walls that you kind of build up, and letting new people in. You know, because we all want to be accepted, but we're one of the, we're one of the worst we're one of the worst things in the world, because as much as we want others to accept us, we are very unaccepting of a lot of things. So, just remember this one. So, what's the first basic truth? I need to make the wise choice. Okay, pop up the logo because we're going to test them. Okay, what's the first one? What's the second? I should treat others the way that I want to be treated. Right. So, so that just so just so I can put it back in frame of reference. In Luke two fifty two, Jesus increased in wisdom, and in favor with man. That's what it is. He built relationships because that's what that's what this is all about. It's about building relationships. Like I told you guys last night, I have this personality that, you know, it's kind of like the ADOS. Like my personality just branches out like a million different different directions. I can sit and talk to my sister-in-law about Doctor Who and Harry Potter and like all the nerdy things that just like like my wife cannot stand when I sit there and talk to her sister about it. And then I can go and I can talk to my brother, my brother-in-law about like something that God has showed me. And then I can go and I can talk to another buddy of mine about something completely different. And my wife just sits there and she goes, how do you do that? Like, how can you like kind of bounce between all those people? And, and it, it boils down to that. Like I try to find something with somebody regardless of who they are. So that way I can, I can, I can build that friendship and kind of network like those kind of people. So, <clears throat> so the first one, I need to make the wise choice. The second one, I should treat others the way I want to be treated. And the third and final basic truth is I can trust God no matter what. Okay, everybody say that with me. I can trust God no matter what. I, 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 this one is usually the second one, but I wanted to put it last because to me it's one of the most important ones. In Luke 2.52 it says that he grew in favor with God and in favor with man. And here we have Jesus, like with him, uh, talking. And my, my brain just went three different directions, I'm sorry. I can trust God no matter what. This one, this one is kind of hard, and this, was, this is what we talked about last night, is, is that living proof. You know, I had all those things up here that, that could prove to you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, who I was. And in all honesty, if I woke up with amnesia one morning, somebody could probably have pulled out the contents of that envelope and showed it to me and said, this is who you are, this is who you're married to, this is what you look like, here's your birth date, like, here's all of this stuff. And I probably could have been like, okay, cool. I, I never kind of understood that until a few years ago. My grandmother had a stroke, and she completely lost all of her memory. And, and it, it was a very weird thing to go in and see her and have her just, like, have this blank, expression on her face but a very friendly expression and for you to go walk in and go hey mama and for her just to kind of look at you and you go it's jared and she goes oh hey and she was trying to be nice and trying to you know but she didn't remember anything and and that was very difficult and and one thing that i saw and and it, it totally amazed me was 
they brought some like they brought some paperwork in. I have no idea to this day what the paperwork was and why they had my grandmother who had just had a stroke sign these papers. But they brought it in and they laid it down and they go, Hey Mrs. Barker, we need you to sign these papers. And she goes, Okay. And she grabs a pen and she writes. And they pull it up and they go, Okay, well thank you, Miss Laura. And they turn around and they walk out. I'm like, they just called her Laura. Yeah, that's her first name, but and then they, they came back in, they go, oh, we forgot, we need you to sign this, and she just signed her name again. And what it was was her brain remembered what it meant to, to sign something, and she was writing her full name every time. But you could look at her and you could go, Mama, what's your name? I don't know. Okay, can you sign this? Laura Sue Barker. Hey, Mama, what's your name? No clue. Okay, can you sign this? <clears throat> Laura Sue Barker. But then it got to the point where you could go, hey, Mama, what's your name? Laura Sue Barker. But the only reason she knew that was because it's what she was writing. But now it's been a few years, and you can go, hey, Mama, what's your name? I'm not playing that game anymore. You know, like she, she kind of picked up on it. You know, but that, but that was a very difficult time, and we also went through it with my grandfather, uh, her husband, uh, more recently. And, and it's, it's a very weird thing to sit there and go, hey, Papa, do you remember this? No. Oh, okay, well... You know, do you remember this? No. And then, like, later on, he'll, he'll say something like, this completely obscure, and he goes, you know, I really want a Swiss cake roll. Okay. Well, why do you want a Swiss cake roll? Well, they're my favorite. Well, yeah, they are your favorite. Do you remember when we used to eat them, like, out in the wood shop? No. Oh, okay. You know, and, and there was a time, like, right after, right after his... Um, you know, that my mom's sitting there, and she goes, Dad, who am I? He goes, well, you're my daughter. And she goes, yeah, but, like, what's my name? And he'll just go, I don't know. And, and she could tell that it was, like, kind of getting to him. And she goes, well, who's that sitting beside of you? And he turns, and he looks at me, and he goes, you mean that one? And that's a very hard thing, because I'm the first grandson, and so I was his little buddy. And so, you know, for him to go, you mean that one? And she goes, yeah, that one. And he goes, well, that's Jared. And she goes, yeah, that's right. Like, yeah, that's right. And he goes, well, of course it's right. Like, who else would that be? And I'm like, yeah, you know, hey, he remembers me. You know, it's like, ha ha, he doesn't remember you. You know, but then like the next time I see him, he kind of has that blank, friendly expression. I'm like, hey, Papa. And he goes, hey. I'm like, it's Jared. And he goes, yeah. But like, there's nothing there, you know. And so I, I, I kind of told you all that, you know, there, there's all this stuff that I could sit there and I could show him pictures and I can be like, hey, this is who you used to be. Like, this is what we used to do. Like, these are the things. And he could go, yeah. And I could build a very convincing case because I have all this physical evidence that I could lay out in front of him and go, this is who you are. This is the proof of who you are. But here's the weird thing. When it comes to God, there's not somebody standing right here that goes, I'm God. You can trust me. All you need to do is follow me. We have his word. Like, we have him working in our hearts. We have these things that aren't tangible. We have intangible things that we have to trust. And that's a very hard thing to do. I, I, I run a camera for, for some of the racetracks um, around. And <clears throat> I've been out to, like, Las Vegas and New Hampshire. And one of the racetracks that I hate to go to, like, I like it because it's a nice place, but is Texas Motor Speedway. And the reason that I hate it is I don't like heights. I'm not afraid of heights. I'm afraid of falling from heights. I am more afraid of the sudden stop at the bottom of that fall 
but heights just kind of unnerve me. Now, I can walk up to the edge of something, and I can stand there, and I can be like, yep, I'm good. If somebody walks up within arm's reach of me, this is what I do. Hey. Because I do not trust that person. Because if that person starts to fall, they're going to grab at me, and I don't have anybody to grab onto. We're both plummeting. You know, like that's just kind of the way I don't trust them. You know, and I know y'all are going, now, Jared, you're saying you don't trust that person, but you just told us to treat people the way we want to be treated. Yeah, I want you to back up, so I'm going to back up, you know. But at Texas Motor Speedway, I have to wear a harness, and I've got this, I call it an umbilical cord because it's my lifeline, that is like hooked to my back, and then it's hooked to a steel cable. I don't know where that steel cable goes to, but there's about six inches of slack in it. And for all I know, there's a rusted bolt down there that when my 275 pounds grabs it, it's going to come ripping out, and I'm going to land in some redneck's lap in the, you know, down in the stands or something, and I'm going to be looking up at him, and he's going to be like, hey. I'm going to be like, hey. I'm going to get up now. But I'm strapped into this thing, and it scares me to death. It's the only racetrack that scares me, and it's because I have that lifeline. Now, I know that sounds weird because you're like, you've got a lifeline. Like, you've got something that's there to protect you. Yeah, all I know is that somebody said, yeah, we've designed this to hold you, but I haven't tested it out, and I'm not going to test it out. But you see, we, we kind of treat God that way a lot of times. He goes, hey, I'm here for you. We see it in Judges chapter 6, um, actually chapter 7 with Gideon and like the whole army where, you don't have to turn there, um, where he says, uh, you know, where God says, hey, Gideon, your army's too big. Like, I've already defeated the enemy, but your army's too big. And Gideon goes from 32,000 to 300 men and fights an army of 126,000 and wins. But Gideon had to trust God. And there's, there's time after time after time where God goes, hey, I've already done this. You just need to trust me. And we see people, and we kind of look back at it, and we go, yeah, you just need to trust God. But then there's times in our life where God goes, hey, this is what I want you to do. And we go, Whoa. okay. I've got this lifeline because I know that you've done this for other people, but I haven't really tested you out, and I'm not really ready to jump. But how do you build trust in somebody? Like you take a step with them that you haven't taken with them before. And, and once that one goes well, you've built a little bit of trust. So that way when the next decision comes up and you make that wise choice, like you can take that next step because you know that God has been there for you. And so you have to build that trust. It's not just something, you know, where like I can walk up and I can go here. Well, either one of you, I don't care. Okay. 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 I'm, I'm going to ask you a very simple question, okay? Do you trust me? You can answer no if you want to. You don't trust me? Why? You don't know me. Okay. Okay. So, like, you have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I just drug you up here, and you have no clue what's going on. Okay. Can I tell you a secret? No. I have no clue what's going on here. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So, we're, we're just kind of standing here, right? You have, like, this defensive stance. Like, you look like I'm about to, like, pounce on you or something. Okay. Like, you act like I'm just going to go, you know, like, and, like, tackle you or something. I'm not, okay? I promise. Oh, you're, you you take Taekwondo, or you've learned how to take Taekwondo? You used to? I like how, okay, for those of you who are, like, listening to this, he, he kind of did, like, this Obi-Wan, like, force thing. He kind of went, I used to, you know, and it's like, 
It's like, okay, so my brain suddenly goes, oh. <laughs> okay, but you don't trust me. Okay, I don't trust you either. Because, like, you're in this defensive stance, and I have no idea what you're going to do, right? Here's the sad thing. We've been up here for, like, two minutes, and nothing has happened except we're just conversing. Right? So, like, I've kind of proven that, like, I'm not going to do anything because I've taken, like, a huge step back for you because you scare me. <laughs> you still have this defensive stance. Like, dude, like, put your arms by your side. Like, chill out. Like, I'm not going to bear hug you or something. Okay? I'm not going to pick you up by your ankles and, like, hang you upside down and be like, hey, look. Okay? See, here's the thing. Like, even though he's standing up here and he's, like, scared out of his mind, he trusts me a little bit more. To where, like, if tonight, if I walked up to you, what's your name? Like, I haven't even met. Hey, I'm Derek. The Great Knoxville Rubber Duck Race. Awesome. Did you ride a duck? Oh, okay. She runs the Rubber Duck Race. Okay, what did you say your name was? Because I was reading your shirt. Logan? Okay, that's cool. I can remember that. Okay, so, like, tonight, if I were to walk up to Logan, wherever he may be, because something tells me he's not going to be sitting on the front row for fear that I'm going to bring him up here. But, like, if I told you, hey, Logan, come up here, like, you would probably hesitate for a little bit, but it would be a little bit easier to come up next time, right? Because you realize that I'm not going to do anything except stand here and talk to you. Tonight, I might pick you up. Okay. Okay, you can go, you can go back and have a seat. But you see, that, that's kind of how we are. That's kind of how we are with God a lot of times is we kind of go, okay, cool, like, I know who you are, but I don't really trust you just yet. Like, even though he's, you know, he's told us, like I said last night, that he's already gone before us, and he's already laid everything flat. He's already made our way straight. It's, it's, it's good to go. All we have to do is take hold of him and follow. Like, that's all we have to do. But we still are kind of, we're still kind of like, eh, I don't really know. Like, I don't really know what's going to happen. Like, I don't really know what's in that next step. Like, I don't really know if I can trust you. Here's what I'm going to tell you. And, and I learned this over the last year. And this has helped me out in this whole, I can trust God no matter what. That's the point here, no matter what, is this statement. Nobody comes with a guarantee. Absolutely nobody comes with a guarantee. That person sitting beside of you that you may call your best friend, they may not be your best friend in an hour. Because this is camp, and there's camp drama that happens, okay? But that all may change. Nobody comes with a guarantee. Like, I love it when people look at you and they go, yeah, but what if they do this? But what if they don't do that? Like, life is, is, not, is not a bunch of guarantees. As much as you want to think that it is, it's not. The only thing that has a guarantee in life is God, where he says, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. I hold you in the palm of my hand. There is nothing that can come up against you. That is the only guarantee that we have. Because when you have that guarantee, then it makes the crooked places straight. When you have that guarantee, and you begin to build on that trust, the high places become low. When you begin to take those steps on a more regular basis because you're building trust in God, the low places become high. Like I said last night, every obstacle that comes up in front of you gets cut down and your way becomes clear. And I'm not going to say it's easy, but your way becomes clear because God's already laid out that path. And all we have to do is trust him and follow him, no matter what. Like we follow our friends without knowing what in the world is going to happen. You know what I mean? Like how many of you all have these friends that are like, 
hey, watch this. And you're like, oh, this is going to be bad. And then they do something stupid, and then they go, okay, you do it. And you're like, oh, <laughs> okay. You know, you know, it's kind of like that blind trust. But, but with God, like, you know, when he goes, hey, come on, follow me. Let's go do this. You know that you can follow through with it. Because you can trust him no matter the situation. Okay, logo. Here we go. Quiz time. Today we talked about three basic truths. Luke 2.52. Okay? It's a very easy passage to remember. Luke 2.52. And in it we have three basic truths. And you can go back and you can teach whoever you want to about all these. But if you, if you kind of stick to these three things, something in your life will always fall into one of these categories. Can I trust God in this situation? Is this a situation where I need to kind of go outside of myself and treat somebody differently? Or is this a decision where I need to make a wise choice on which way to go? So here we go. Loud and proud because some of your counselors are coming in. You guys ready? Okay. The first basic truth is... Number two. And number three. Okay, so based off of basic truth number three, everybody in here is best friends now, right? Awesome. Okay, with that, we will pray, and you guys will be dismissed to your next activity where you get to implement one, if not all three of those. Okay, so here we go. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this morning. Father, we thank you for uh, a great night, uh, first night of camp. Father, I just pray that you will be with the campers uh, and their counselors and all the staff today as they continue through camp, Lord, to keep them safe in their activities. Uh, and God, may they ever be mindful of the truth of your word uh, that we found in Luke 2.52. May they become stronger and better people uh, based off of your example of how you lived your life. Uh, in those 18 years where there's not a lot said about you, but there's so much to learn from that. And Father, I just thank you for the truth of your word, for the truth of what your son did for us on the cross uh, with his death, burial, and resurrection, uh, that we can have a life where we can trust you and we can follow you and we can do everything that we can to honor and glorify you. And we just ask all these things in your name. Amen.